Blog Talk Radio. Today, so we won't be taking calls. 
let's jump right in, starting with Debbie. Hi, Debbie. Welcome, and please tell us a little bit about how this post-treatment journey came about for you. Hi, Lucy. Thank you so much for inviting me on the show to talk with you and Lockie. It's a real pleasure. Well, um, my story is a little bit different in that I went uh, six and a half months from my mammogram to my mastectomy. And that was a really long time to go through the diagnostic phase, but that's what happened to me. And uh, during that time, my only support uh, system was my friends and family. So it was very difficult for all of us, my friends and family, because they were going through their own grief and, and fears about cancer, and difficult for me because I didn't have anyone to speak to who really understood what I was going through. But after I had my mastectomy in April of 2009, I started to build a larger support system for myself. And I did that uh, with the help of the breast nurse navigator and oncology therapist at my cancer center. And I also joined support groups, and I met Lockie uh, when I took her wonderful rehabilitative exercise class for breast cancer survivors. And uh, what was really interesting, though, was having that bright line difference between six and a half months of no support and immediately after my mastectomy when I had so much support, it really showed me how important community and support were uh, and still are to my healing. So I wanted to continue that level of support for myself and other cancer survivors. And uh, that's what gave me the idea to start where we go now and to, to continue that support for myself and the whole community. Well, thank you for that. Uh, Lockie, can you tell us about how your post-treatment journey came about? Well, uh, thank you for having me. And um, I am always happy to be able to share this with people because it's just, it's so important for other survivors to know, you know, how things like this come about. And I think that being a personal trainer, I, you know, my body was very important to me and it was sort of what I used as an example to share with other people, you know, and hopefully inspire them about fitness and taking care of themselves. And uh, when I was diagnosed um, in 2006 with stage 3 breast cancer, I um, I didn't have, like Debbie had, a period of time in between her treatments and when things started um, or when her procedure started. I, right away, I was just, I was literally thrown into all of the decisions and all of the, you know, do you get a mastectomy, do you get a lumpectomy, do you have to get chemotherapy, do you have to get radiation? And it was really hard to make all of these choices quickly and figure out what I wanted to do. So, I went through, I had a, I had bilateral mastectomies, I had chemotherapy, then I had radiation, um, and then I had saline implants as my reconstruction. And the whole time I was going through this, you know, it was uh, nine surgical procedures in 18 months, plus chemotherapy and radiation. So I constantly felt like I was starting over again. But every time I wanted to start over and start exercising, I wasn't sure if I was going to hurt something. I wasn't sure if I, what I felt was normal. And if like I felt like I did cancer wrong. I must have done something wrong to have all of these extenuating, you know, um, aches and pains. So I, you know, as a personal trainer, I got certified to work with cancer patients really just to find out what I needed to do for myself. And then I started working uh, with the hospital that I was being treated at, and I started presenting a class for them that was just a rehabilitative exercise class. And in this class, I just wanted to show people how to stretch and what was safe and what they could do. But what happened was there was this sort of organic shift in the room. I'm sorry about that. Where everybody in the room started communicating, and they all started saying, you know, does this hurt when you do this or does this hurt when you do that? 
and it just kept happening and the the class became known as sort of an active active support group and people started taking off their wigs they started you know showing us their reconstruction right in the middle of class and i was thrilled with that i was really happy that people were were see, not only seeing the vision of moving on beyond cancer or moving away from being a cancer patient and or survivor but also finding a community in people that have been through similar circumstances and really realizing, I think that's when they started to realize they didn't do anything wrong. They didn't do their cancer wrong. And it's because of that that I continue to do this, and the program has just grown well beyond anything I thought it would become, and it's been an amazing journey. Well, thank you both for sharing that. And it's it's the, the thing that I'm hearing from both of you is that you're really um, – Making the best. I mean, these are these are things that have come out of this that are so positive, and that people that are finding you and what you're doing in your own experiences and what you've been through are helping um, in ways that you didn't plan for. Obviously, mm-hmm. nobody plans for this, but that you're turning uh, what could be considered a negative into a very positive. And and I'm glad that you're both here to share uh, on the show today and for all the listeners that will be listening. And before we uh, get more in detail with what you both do for your live seminars. Can each of you share uh, one moment when you felt the most lost on the journey? And, and certainly from both of your introductions, you know of what you speak. So I'm not asking to be intrusive. I I do believe, though, it's important for other women to know that what they are experiencing, uh, especially in, in a negative moment, it isn't unusual and that they're not alone. So, Debbie, could you share that first, please? Well, I think my moment was actually the entire spring and summer after uh, my 2009 uh, April mastectomy. And uh, it was at that point, I think, where I was really starting to deal with the emotional fallout of everything I had gone through and being diagnosed and being told you have cancer and and going through a major surgery. I went through a major reconstruction. Um, So it was a very, very difficult time emotionally trying to crawl out of that cancer hole. And... um, on top of that, uh, what happened to me, and I've, I've since found it happens to so many survivors who I've spoken to, is that your family and your friends are so ready to move on um, because, you know, it's painful and it's difficult, and they want to get back to life that before cancer where it wasn't what we, you know, eat, sleep, drink, our every moment thought. And for me, I wasn't at that place. I was even deeper in the weeds at that point. So um, that was absolutely the worst time because I was just so overwhelmed by everything, and I also felt kind of isolated and, and lonely about it. Um, the good thing for me at that point, though, was that I was that's the point where I got all the outside support, and uh, honestly, I don't know how I would have gone through that period without all that outside support. Thank you for that. And, and Lockie, what about you? Well, for me, it was very similar to what Debbie went through, the emotional side of it, but it was also the personal trainer in me, I wanted to get back to work. I wanted to start training my clients. My clients were amazing. They waited for me to come back. Some of them wouldn't train with another trainer until I got back. So I felt compelled, you know, to go back and get to work. But when I got back, I realized I have no hair, so I already feel uncomfortable. I don't feel comfortable working out in a wig or a scarf because I don't know if it's going to move. I'm terrified to move anything that involves the front part of my chest because I don't know if I'm going to hurt it. And I, although I was in the process of getting this certification, there's still the, oh, my God, nothing's the same. My entire body was not the same. And I, I 
walk, walking into the health club that I worked in, I worked there for seven years, and it was like walking into my living room. I felt very comfortable there, and I no longer felt comfortable there. And I felt sort of at a loss because I just didn't know what to do. And I wanted to be around just one other person who's been through this that could sort of just work with me and say, okay, you're okay. You know, I I think I needed to hear you're okay. So Mm -hmm. when I started teaching the class, I really felt like, this is something that I can provide. Yes, I can provide the stretches and, and the exercises, but what I can really provide is telling someone you're okay, you didn't do cancer wrong. And I think that that's what most of us really need to hear. And in hearing that, you have the opportunity for the emotional heal- healing, and then you can go and find your new normal in a much more powerful way, especially when you know there's other people out there doing the same thing, sort of scrambling around, walking around going, what do I do now? And, and I think you me. just, you, yeah, I think you just made a very good point that you have to, and that's why I asked this question is that, and and thank you both for for that your generosity and sharing your vulnerable moments is is probably why your seminars and your communities are growing so rapidly, and something you just said it's it it's it's heartbreaking for me to hear uh, both of your accounts of what happened to you, and I hate that anybody walking around on the earth has to go through this, but it's also so lovely and so generous that you are at the other end of this now and helping people and your experience you know this is growing and the one thing i'm getting from both of you is that you can't do this in isolation even if you have people in your family and you have friends it's meeting other people that are going through something similar along the same lines that you can share um and so on that note uh and speaking of your live seminars you both have so much to offer obviously that i really like to let the listeners get a glimpse into both of your approaches and your philosophies on making the most of life beyond breast cancer. So the way that uh, I thought it was best to produce this show was to just simply give the two of you the floor. Um, so the lady, ladies, the floor is yours, and uh, please share with us. Well, I think uh, my philosophy about living life beyond cancer um, started uh, with that spring and summer uh, when I was so isolated and feeling so alone, and I was starting to realize, I thought I knew before, but I really didn't, how complicated emotionally it was to be a cancer survivor. It's an overwhelming burden, and um, it's something that you don't even appreciate day by day how difficult it is because you don't know what's going to happen next, and you're just working through it as best you can. Um, So I just really felt uh, in developing the seminars and developing the website that it was so important for people to start working through those emotional powerful emotional feelings and and start working towards healing and basically to realize that um, although I think for most of us we always just wanted to get back to our real life or our normal life before we were told that you know you might or you do have cancer um, that that now we have to reach this new normal we have to reach a place where we find balance uh, both in our in our spiritual life and our emotional life our, our physical life uh, and our mental life, and and to basically be in a place that that we're finding that we're we're healing, and, it, and it's a process that goes on forever, I think, and I'm I'm still doing it too. So um, what I try to do in my part of the seminar is to basically um, deal with that emotional component, and I do that by working through uh, what I developed for me, just just out of where I was at that point, a gifts and losses list, um, and that really uh, helped my healing and bringing me back into balance uh, after going through the ordeal that I went through. And Lockie? 
Well, I, um, I'm i such a big fan of you, Debbie. Um, <laughs> and I, I just do. Want you to know that. I want everybody out there in Radio Land to know that, too. I just adore Debbie. Um, oh, I, it's so mutual. <laughs> <laughs> I have, um, you know, as I said, I really felt at a loss for exercise, and my life is exercise. I'm a fitness instructor. I'm a personal trainer, and... When I was first done with all of my treatment, everybody said to me, you have to do a triathlon. You absolutely have to do a triathlon. And I had no interest. I'm afraid to swim. I didn't know how to swim. I get heart not heart I get anxiety attacks just getting into a swimming pool. So, of course, I signed up for a triathlon and I learned how to swim and I think that while I was going through the process of training for this triathlon, I sort of learned that this type of fitness is not for everybody. I'm not knocking triathlons. I'm very proud of the fact that I did one, but it it wasn't worth the emotional trauma that getting into a bay and swimming was for me. But um, in in going through the process, I realized I started seeing breast cancer survivors in three groups. And in these three groups, I kept seeing the people that go out and do the triathlons, and that's wonderful, the people that you know, um, just sort of go back to work, and that's fine too, and the people that remain only around certain exercise programs and they're afraid to progress to anything. And I kept thinking there's something in between that that I want to provide because I don't believe everybody, cancer or not, has to be a size 2. I don't believe everybody has to be able to run an 8-minute mile. I believe that everybody should just feel good in the skin that they were given. And I wanted to bring that into a classroom. So as I was developing this class, I really wanted people to feel that they were in a safe and a comfortable place and that they were in a place that they were also going to get the knowledge that they needed and to help them move on from this. And in doing this, in talking to doctors, I've worked with physical therapists, I've worked with doctors to create this program, I have sort of made this declaration that I really believe that fitness is the last stage of treatment for breast cancer survivors. I've never had anyone come into my class and tell me that they did that they felt worse than when they walked in. They the what the space that I've created for this program has really given me the inspiration just to keep to keep going and you know I start I never thought I'd be a business owner and I own my own business now and I love every minute of it. But working in conjunction with people like Debbie, who we did meet in our class, and just through both of us talking, we both went, wow, this is great. You've got the body part. I've got the mind part. Why are we not doing things together? So just in that and developing that friendship has been amazing, and it's been amazing because I now have my community of people. I have my community that I can go to, and a lot of them are my clients, and But a lot of my clients have turned into my friends, and this support group has all come out of I was afraid to be alone, and I was afraid to exercise alone. And it's just I really believe that I'm a living, breathing example of if you're in a community of like-minded people, you're going to go much farther. You know, Debbie, you raise such a yes. You, uh, Lockie raises such an important point about, um, and it gets to you know what I what I was looking at at my gifts and losses list that it's it's so much about returning to a balanced life and and actually going beyond that going beyond where you were before mm-hmm. cancer if possible 
you know, being where you are, but appreciating what you're getting out of it. And it's it's a really um, hard sell initially because nobody wants to think that cancer is a good thing or that it, you know, is something that we should be grateful for. And I still don't feel that way, believe me. But um, to just sit back for a moment and say, you know, I wouldn't have met Lockie but for this. I wouldn't have this amazing friend in my life but for this. And, you know, I would never want to do it again <laughs> as much as I love you. But um, <laughs> but um, it's, it's, it's being able to just be open and honest with yourself. And initially I wasn't able to do that. Initially I was just, you know, I don't want to think that there's anything good in this. But the mm. more I, I just sat with that and started realizing that, you know, my life is happening. This is my life happening with cancer in it. And like any other thing I've gone through, there's always a little bit of good and a little bit of bad. There's never been anything that was all good or all bad. And it's just that yin and the yang that, that is happening in your life, and cancer is, you know, a part of that. It's part of my life. Lockie, you you spoke a lot about exercise in general, but I, I want to ask you in particular, what about yoga? Yoga is wonderful. I think it's a great tool. Um, it's a powerful tool to regain your range of motion after treatment. However, I think that you have to really know um, that there are other programs out there, that there are programs out there that will identify and sort of yeah, identify each muscle group that was specifically affected. And I'm not, I would never knock yoga. I'm a huge fan of yoga, but I don't think that it's the first and foremost thing to jump to. And I think that, like, Debbie had a treatment, a, a different surgical procedure than I did, and yoga has probably been the best thing for her. But I think that you, one still needs to be in a group of people who can show them how to do the rehabilitative exercises and then go on to yoga. Because I know I know of people who've been in yoga classes that they didn't get as much out of it as I got out of a moving on program. And again, that's not to knock yoga. I think yoga is a phenomenal tool. But coming into a program that is run by a certifi- a person certified to work with cancer patients who also is a cancer survivor, we can isolate specific muscle groups and explain why those muscle groups, have, how they were affected, why they were affected, and why you don't have the range of motion that you have. And, excuse me, when I explain that, people go, oh, okay, I want to be able to lift up that gallon of milk or be able to blow dry my hair again. So now I know if I do this exercise, I can do that. And, again, that's all about you didn't do cancer wrong, you can regain control of your body. So, so let me let me ask you specifically then, when someone comes to one of your training sessions, uh, you're speaking about rehabilitation. Is it weight training? Are they push-ups? Are they the traditional sit-ups? And what what can someone expect? That's a really good question. What what you can expect when you walk into a moving on program is we do in the beginning some of the exercises we don't even get out of a chair for. I assess the room, find out you know who's who's just recently out of treatment, who's been out of treatment for a while. And I get classes with people who've been out of treatment for three weeks and people who've been out of surgical procedures, you have to be out six to eight weeks. And I get people who are out six years. So anyone who's had breast cancer who has these issues can come in. And what we really focus on and and go in and work on is opening up your chest because most of the time after a diagnosis, your chest is sort of curled forward and you have sort of a hunched over position. We, we focus on opening up your chest muscles, pulling your back 
shoulder blade, pulling your shoulder blades back and down, and these are all through body weight stretches. There's not even equipment that's introduced. Once we get that, get your posture corrected, then we stand up and we focus on what can we do now to strengthen your core. If there, if you've had a, um, these other physical procedures where you've had this one called a tram flap where your incorporate for those. Um, oh, Lockie, you know you cut out a little bit there. I'm sorry. You were saying about the tram flap, and you you cut out. Could you just reclarify that for the listeners? Oh yes, I'm sorry. Um, what was I saying? The tra- like some people have had um, a procedure where they have this um, a, their a tram flap where their rectus abdominis muscle is affected, and some people have a procedure where their latissimus dorsi muscle is affected, meaning your back muscle, and it's just used to formula to help create the new breast and support the new breast tissue. If that's the case, then there's other exercises that we incorporate. Like right now I'm teaching a class where I have two people in the room who have both had the tram flap procedures. So we do some of the um, exercises just sitting in a chair, body weight exercises, then we go down onto a mat, and we do body weight exercises that are geared specifically towards the um, tram flap and the lap flap customers. Thank you for clarification. Sure. Uh, so, so we're really, you know, we're, we, the show is the, you know, healing the mind, body, and spirit, and and obviously the body is, you know, the, the manifestation of everything and what's happening in terms of the 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 getting breast cancer, then the treatment, and then you know, getting yourself back and and be becoming rehabilitated and physically fit again. Uh, Debbie, you spoke about the gifts and losses list that you developed. Um, how did you develop it, and how can other women start a list, especially, you know, with with what both of you have said? I mean, you're this is a tough, tough time, obviously. How do you sit down and make this list? Well, um, for me, I was about nine months post my mastectomy, and I just started realizing that in my head, I was becoming aware of good things that I was experiencing solely because I was a cancer patient and survivor. And as I said before, initially, I was just really didn't want to deal with that and uh, didn't even like the idea of that. It was repulsive. And uh, But the more I, I had to deal with this and, and I was listening to myself, I finally one day just had to sit down and write it down because it was bothering me. And um, I wrote on a piece of paper, just a simple piece of paper, and on one side I wrote gifts, and the other side I wrote losses. And under gifts I wrote various things, and under losses I wrote various things. And and the losses obviously were pretty evident. You know, I had body image issues, and I had scars that were pretty awful to look at. I had, um, you know, just fear and lack of control and watching my family suffer and going through what I went through, everything. And uh, but in gifts, um, I you know I was realizing that I was um, you really needing the introspection that was happening to me because I was uh, dealing with an oncology therapist and going through what I was going through. Um, you know I I I went to Lockie's class and started exercising, which I really had done very sporadically before, but I was kind of falling in love with it, and uh, and I ended up going to yoga, which I very much love and is very good for my tram flap. I I also have a tram flap. And, uh, you know, I just was, I was giving back. I was learning to say yes to myself. I was uh, experiencing fuller relationships, and, and I was getting back into writing. And so there were so many things that were coming to me that I had to admit were really positive. And, um, you know, at that point, I was realizing that even though I wanted to get back to my real life, that this was my life, 
and it was full of really amazing things and that I had to basically do homage to them by appreciating them. So I would say to someone who wants to create their own uh, gifts and losses list, the first thing that you have to do is allow yourself to feel what you're feeling. Um, whatever you feel, good, bad, or indifferent, you're entitled to it. You've been through a lot, and um, you know you deserve everything. <laughs> you deserve good days. You deserve you don't deserve bad days, but you deserve to feel what you feel in those bad days. Um, and no emotion is a bad emotion. Um, and then I would just say write down those emotions in a journal or a piece of paper. And, um, you know, take those baby steps and be kind to yourself. And, you know, in doing that, you might be surprised, as I was, you know, what you come up with when you just start writing those things down and just taking hmm. the time to kind of kind of think about them. Thank you for that. It's so simple but so powerful. Uh, listeners, mm-hmm. we are live streaming right now. We only have about a minute and 15 seconds left, but we are going to go long. Uh, and I apologize if you're listening live. You will have to come back and listen on the download for the end of the show. Uh, but for those who will listen only on the download and on, you know, through uh, MP3 or, or through the actual live link at Blog Talk Radio, we're just going to continue and go a little bit over our allotted 30 minutes because I think this is very, inform- in, very important information and I don't want to cut the show short. Um, so thank you for sharing that, Debbie. Uh, and like I said, it's so simple but so powerful. And yet putting yeah. it, so it's, it just seems like putting it into a concrete form, You, the gratitude part, you know, where the gifts start to sort of rise up and I guess look lighter on the page or brighter on the page than the losses. And that's, that's well, a, a I, really good yeah, thing. Yeah, I can tell you that I, I wrote the gifts and losses list and, um, you know, it's a, it's a, it's an organic thing. It grows with my life. And um, But it was several months later when I was asked to give a um, speech at uh, our, oncology, our uh, cancer center for Survivor's Day, and I talked about the gifts and losses. And I realized in writing that speech that I hadn't even centered on the most important gift and that to me, and that gift was gratitude, that this overwhelming gratitude that I felt for the support that I got, and that's why, again, you know, not having it for that six and a half months really made me appreciate it so much more. Um, but but that intense gratitude that I felt um, just made me want to go out and give back. I wanted to live my life more fully. I, I wanted so much to just be part of this thing that was happening to me and was so intense. Um, and it was all coming, you know, all the positive stuff was coming through that gratitude. And I think with gratitude, you start to appreciate all the the little things that maybe you overlook. I know you wrote a piece recently on uh, where we go now about uh, the fall and like doing the carving the pumpkin and raking leaves and how in another scenario or another moment in life you might not appreciate having to go out and rake a pile of leaves. You know, those little moments that make life up. Um, What uh, is the one thing relative to your area of expertise that you most recommend to other women to move forward with the healing process? And, Lockie, would you like to take this one first? Um, Sure. So in moving forward with the healing process, I would say for me it was um, what I see a lot is women don't validate themselves. Women, when they're done with this diagnosis, start going, well, this just didn't work out for me, and I think there was a mistake made here, and I, I don't think this is ever going to get better. I never hear women say, I have great legs. I love my legs, you know, or I have, you know, my hair is growing in beautifully. Or, Like, if they could just validate themselves and give themselves permission, like Debbie said, no emotion is a bad emotion. And I, I think that that's a profound thing to say when you're talking to people who've been through everything that we've all been through. And... I'm not going to lie and say I never felt that way, but the one thing that I have learned that really helped me sort of 
make that transition was I really learned you have to be able to validate yourself and say you're going to be okay. And inside of that, you need to start move. Of course, I'm going to tell you you need to move your body, but you need to move your body because when your body's in motion, your your mind and your soul is in motion. If your body's just sitting, your mind and your soul aren't doing anything either. And you know, I, I, I that's my own personal belief. So, in terms of you know what would make me move forward, make have me recommend someone to move forward in the healing process? Simple stretches. Go out for a walk with your family. Go out, take your dog for a walk. Just do something physical. Get out there because when you're in motion, you think about things that are in motion. You don't think about things that are sedentary and sitting still and you don't have enough time to focus on, you know, the negative. And really, if nothing else, I always say to people, you know, if you've been diagnosed with cancer or any life-threatening illness or you've faced your own mortality in any way, if you then look back and still nitpick on the little things in life, you didn't get the big joke. You you just didn't Mm -hmm. get the big joke, you know. And I'm so grateful for – I've lost people in my life, not not to death, but since I've had this diagnosis and I've gone through all of this, there are people in my life that I don't really communicate with that, that much anymore and I think it was meant to be that way because other that made room for other people to come into my life who I'm unbelievably grateful for. And, you know, I think that the first step in, in moving on and catapulting yourself forward is really just getting moving, validating that what you're feeling is completely normal and you're completely going to be okay and you're doing everything right. And focus on what you can do versus what you can't do. Thank you for that. That's a, and and you put it so simply. You said I believe you know that by moving your body, but obviously with what you're doing, your 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 theory is proving true because you're seeing the results and you're you you are an ex- walking example of that. Um, Debbie, what do you suggest as far as uh, recommending the one thing that people need to do to move forward with the healing process? The one thing I always uh, suggest is um, to get support. And what's interesting mm-hmm. is for me, support is about validation. So mm-hmm. it comes back right back to what Lockie's talking about. It, because um, we're really when you just get support, you, I'm sorry. I said we're really just one person. I'm sorry. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, when you get when you get support, um, what you're doing is you're expressing how you feel, and that's being validated. And uh, to me, that's what support is. So by by having that self-expression and sharing it with others who get it because they've been there or they're professionals. I'm a big supporter of, you know, oncology therapists and uh, my breast nurse navigator who did not never had breast cancer themselves but totally got where I was. Um, but by having those people in my life, I was able to say things that I couldn't say to my family and friends, and they were able to validate those feelings and tell me it was okay, it was normal. You know, same stuff that Lockie's talking about physically is also this emotional component of am I am, is what I'm feeling okay? Is where I'm going with this okay? You know, is it is the fact that I feel horrible today is that okay? Uh, is the fact that I don't feel so horrible today is that okay? So just having that support um and and expressing yourself um really to me is the crux of it and it totally was for me. Um, and, and you can do that privately, too, as I said, about writing your own list or um, or however you express yourself. If you paint, if you do sculpture, if you rock climb, whatever you do, um, if you do yoga and exercise, it's a way of expressing where you are and how you feel and, and, and again, validating all that and being okay with it. 
And it might even be something where, that, that you haven't done in years since you were a kid, Pick a, picking up an old hobby that you haven't done that maybe because you're so busy with family or career that, you know, mm-hmm. it just brings back that joy. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, going, you know, the, finding that passion that you had when you were 13 might just give you things that you just didn't realize that you were missing. Um, Debbie, can I say something about my kids with that? Please. Uh, my um, When I was sick, my daughter was three and a half, almost four, and my son was seven. And I, they would come up to my bedroom, and we would they would say, you know, can you get out of bed today? And I would say, you know, I can't today. I'm really sick. But let's talk about what we're going to do when I can get out of bed. And we made this mental – I wish I had written it down. And that's where Debbie comes in. I really wish that I had written it down because it would keep it. But I, my kids – I said to my kids, what do you want to do? We'd never been hiking in our lives. And my daughter kept saying to me, I want to go. We have this little reservation around our house that's close by our house that has horses and hiking trails and everything. And my my kids would say, I want to go there. You know, and I said, great, we're going to go there. And then they would say, you know, I want to go to the park and I want to swing on the swings. And I'd go, great, we're going to do that. When I got better, I made a point of taking them and doing those things, whatever those things were. And I made a point of saying to them, see, I promised you I'd get better, and now we're out and we're doing this. Do you remember when I said that? And I would say yes. And they were happy about it. And that was another way to get moving, still be with my children, and like get out of that space, that whole negative space of I'm a patient. It helped me to get away from being a patient and move on to being, you know, who I am now. Thank you, Lucky. That was actually, I mean, to to drill down on that, it sounds like you were not only setting goals and you it gave you something to to move toward, but you had fun. Yeah, I did. And that's part of the healing process in any capacity. I think is having fun and laughing and you know enjoying each other. Mm-hmm. Um, so now, okay. Uh, I, what, I, what I'd like to know is tell us what's next for each of you and how people can reach out to you, attend a seminar, et cetera. Uh, Lockie, would you like to go first? Sure. Um, well, Debbie and I both have upcoming, uh, Debbie, if you don't mind me bringing it up, a it survivorship symposium. Um, we started, we did our first one at Summit Medical Group in uh, Berkeley Heights, and we're doing our second one, which I think is going to be on a bit of a grander scale at St. Peter's Hospital in New Brunswick in New Jersey. And what that what we're going to do is myself, Debbie and a colleague of ours, Robin Adwar from the Soundboard Group, we're going to be do, doing presenting a seminar called Straight Talk About Survivorship. We're going to obviously I'm going to talk about exercise, Debbie's going to talk about finding the gifts and losses in cancer and in cancer and cancer diagnosis and treatment and Robin will be Robin is a life coach with the Soundboard Consulting Company and she's going to be talking about um this wheel of life and finding the places that you want to go to work at go to work in on your life to really find that new normal and create the life that you want to live. Um that seminar we will be speaking it's from 9 to 1 and we'll be speaking in the morning and then have a small break and then after the break we'll be doing pla- practical applications of each of these uh, each component for the mind, the body, and the attitude, and I think it's going to be a phenomenal seminar. Thank you. Now, um, just for the listeners, because the show is you know on a national platform as well as an international, uh, these ladies are located in New Jersey, uh, but you can certainly find out more about them on their websites. Uh, and, and Debbie Lockie just explained some of the seminars and what happens at them specifically, but how can your site also be part of one's healing process? 
and the site that I'm referring to is wherewegonow.com. Yes, um, as I've been saying, of course, that sharing through self-expression, looking for support is so important um, to healing, and I think it's the heart of wherewegonow.com. You can, you know, the beauty of the Internet is you can go there 24-7, 3 o'clock in the morning, and you can find uh, a way to share what you're feeling with others who, who really get it. So um, when you go to the site, you can, um, you know, make a comment to my blog. You can join forums and start your own discussions. You don't have to just talk about what I'm talking about. You can look at my gifts and losses list, which I've spoken about. And you can also, um, because it is an interactive site and not just a blog, you can also go to the community gifts and losses uh, site and um, or page and add your own gifts and losses uh, once you become a member of the site. So there's a lot of interactive things you can do there. And it really, for me, is is a place for um, cancer survivors um, to deal with whatever issue, you know, is happening in their life. And And it really encompasses your whole life. I mean, in my blog, I've talked about survivor's guilt and making your home a haven, you know, of comfort. Um, because we all need that, basically, that soft place to land. We've been through so much throughout the cancer and also just, you know, the general stresses and maladies of life. Um, I talk about ways to give back and loneliness beyond cancer. Um, it's all it's all there. It's all part of our lives beyond cancer. So I, I think it's a really interesting place to go to have these conversations about how our life has been changed, you know, maybe not always for the best and sometimes, you know, for the best but how cancer has affected our lives and how we're living our lives now beyond cancer. And for the listeners, I realize that, you know, many of you around the world will not be able to attend these beneficial seminars, but what you can do is gain from both of these ladies, and as Debbie just explained, join her website, you know, become part of that community, and the the magic of the Internet certainly makes that very easy from anywhere you are in the world. Again, that's www dot where we go now dot com and let me back up to you Lockie. Uh same thing if you're in people that are listening or you know someone who needs this you can find more about Lockie and everything she's doing and exercises and tips and follow her and find out about whatever she's doing and all the and I know you know you guys have been writing articles beyond your sites and, and you know appearances but that's moving on from cancer dot com and mm-hmm. again, moving on from cancer.com. And Lockie, you also have, you both have Facebook pages. Could you please, uh, Lockie, first tell us the pa- Facebook address? My Facebook page is Lockie's Moving On on Facebook. And if you go to my website or go to the Facebook page and you like that, eventually in the next probably three to four weeks, we're going to be um, putting videos of the exercise programs just right up online. So you, it's not a DVD that you have to buy or anything like that. You can literally sit in your house, and you'll be able to do the programs. So, again, my point that if you're wherever you are in the world, if you want to come and join the community that these ladies are growing and, and be part of this and you need help or you need advice or you need guidance and you just, you know, you, whatever it is, if you don't have that in your own area, again, it's – and, again, tell us on Facebook, it's Lockheed's. Moving on. Moving on. Okay, and Debbie, and you on Facebook? Yes, I'm on Facebook at wherewegonow.com with Debbie Woodbury. And I'm also on Twitter, um, DebbieWWGN. And everyone has links at their website, I'm sure. So everyone can Mm -hmm. find you. I just want to be clear about that because I think what you're doing, uh, both of you are doing, you know, fabulous work and it's important to share it. Uh, We only have about a minute left. So I would like to thank you both so much. uh, And I hope that... uh, 
listeners from around the world will get, I know they're going to get a lot out of this. So thank you, Lockie, and thank you, Debbie, for being such fabulous guests. Thank you thank very you. much My for pleasure. having us. Mm-hmm. And uh, listeners, if the show benefits you or you need you know, any of those links, please feel free to email me how it helped you or ideas for future shows as well. I always love to hear from all the Here We Are listeners because here we are together on this journey. Uh, so amazing information today. Thank you again to both of you. I'm grateful that you are my guests. And thank you listeners for sharing part of your busy day with us. We understand that every minute counts and we hope our radio shows and lifestyle information at herewearewithlucy.com help to make your life better, brighter, and easier. So no matter the topic of the radio shows or the website articles, we want you to come away with valuable information that you can implement into your busy life. I am Lucy Weston, and I look forward to sharing with you next time on Here We Are with Lucy.